very much so. Diane, I think you 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 need to leave on on time tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. I need to leave at nine twenty eight. So we're finishing at nine twenty eight or so. Okay. Um, okay. So lovely to see everyone, and well done for all those who have made it through till the end. Um, this is our last last year in this uh, series. Um, it's been a long series, but I hope we've managed to learn a lot together. And um, tonight, Rizat Hashem will be discussing. The basic principles when we are lenient and when we are stringent generally over Hilchot Shabbat. It's a very uh, general and broad shiur tonight. Has everyone got the source sheet? Yeah, has it been posted? Avi, has everyone got it? So I'm going to post it now. Okay, Sina's just posted it. Great, thank you. Um... So, tonight we're going through the principles of Shvut. So, Shvut means a Drabbanan. And we're going to go through and see when one can be lenient with Drabbanans, when one cannot be lenient with Drabbanans, and um, see the sources for it all. So, as always, feel free to ask any questions um, as we go as we go through. So, let's see from the beginning. Number one on the source sheet. This is the Gemani Ruvin, and what we have here is a, a baby doing a Brit Milah, and the water for the baby has been spilled, the hot water. So. So they say, let's bring uh, bring hot water. Go and bring you hot water. So Abaya basically says, you know, we can't carry. We haven't done an eruv. He says, it's rely on something else. It's still in a sudra banan. In any case, he says, let's ask the goy to bring the water um, and violate any sudra banan of bringing the water, even though there hasn't been a proper shituf, a proper eruv. I'm not going to go into the details, but basically we need to ask the goy to transport this hot water to where the Brit Milah is taking place um, and violate any sudra banan. So they, uh, he asked him, how can we do that? Um, so the Gemara says here, the Tanya, if you have a look here, the Tanya, Hazaashvut, Sprinkling uh, as part of purification on Shabbat is prohibited, even though it's to purify someone, which is a mitzvah. Nonetheless, and it's, it's an Isud Rabbanan, and we don't allow an Isud Rabbanan for the purposes of a mitzvah. Also telling a non-Jew to do something on Shabbat is forbidden rabbinically. Yeah? Telling a non-Jew to do something is not forbidden by the Torah, it's forbidden by the Hachamim. And so he asked, Just like we know very well that sprinkling for the purpose of purification, despite it being a mitzvah and despite it being a mitzvah, is still prohibited. Telling the non-Jew to bring the hot water, uh, although it's for the purpose of a mitzvah, of the Brit Milah, nonetheless, you're telling a goy to do something which is an isur drabbanan, and even though it's for the purposes, purposes of mitzvah, what distinguishes this from the case of sprinkling, which is prohibited? Amarle, he said back to him, 
ולא שני לך בין שבות דעית במעשה לשבות דלת במעשה? Can you not distinguish between a Rabbanan which has an action and between a Rabbanan which does not have an action? Because we never told the Goy to go and heat up the water. We just told the Goy to carry it, which is forbidden rabbinically. We didn't ask him to actually heat it. Asking him to heat it would be in his surda or item. So there's a problem with this, with this Gemara. And that is as follows, with this last line. And this is why there are three opinions in the Rishonim. And we'll go through them. But what's the issue? The issue is that the Gemara says, is there not a difference If you stop there at the question mark, then it seems to be that the point is whether the Shvut, the Drabanan, is an action, i.e. sprinkling is an action. The Jew actually sprinkles. To a Drabanan, which says the Gemara says, no action, I'm just telling the non-Jew to do something. So the implication, if you stop by the question mark, is that the difference between the two cases is that with one, the Jew himself is doing an Isud Rabbanan, and that's not permitted for the purposes of a mitzvah. Whereas, if you do a Rabbanan, which you yourself are not doing it, but you're telling someone else to do something, like a Goy, that is only an Isud Rabbanan, which hasn't got an action, and therefore that's permissible. And if you were to stop there, the implication is that if you do a shvut, an isud rabban of telling a non-Jew, you can tell the non-Jew even if you're telling him to do an isud oraita. Let's get clear. If I tell a non-Jew to do an isud oraita, I tell him to heat up water, what's that? That for me is still only an isud rabbanan. Yeah, well, let's get that clear. Um And so it seems from this point of the Gemara, the distinction between the case of sprinkling is that sprinkling, the Jews doing the action. So now we don't allow for the purposes of a mitzvah. But the uh, a Jew telling a non-Jew, which is no action involved, just speech, that is the Rabbanan, and therefore is permissible. Seemingly, even if I tell him to do a Doraita. However, the Gemara continues and says, the Hamar lo Amar legoi zil achem. I, and in defense, uh, Yosef said, I never actually said to go and heat up the water. I never told the Goy to do an Isur Doraita. I told the Goy to do an Isur Rabbanan of the carrying, not an Isur Doraita. And so from the final statement, the implication of the Gemara is that I can only tell the Goy to do an Isur Rabbanan when there's a mitzvah involved. So this is the major problem here. From the first statement, This bit over here, Veloshanilach, there seems to be the difference being is whether the Shvut is an action or not an action. If there's an action involved, i.e., sprinkling, that's a sur. A Jew can't do that even for a mitzvah. But to tell a non Jew is fine because even if to tell a Doraita is fine because I'm not doing an action. But the Gemara continues and it says, I never said to the Goizil Ahem, go and heat up the water. Implication being, if I was to tell him to heat up the water, Even though it's only my speech, nonetheless, it would be a problem. So that's the tension that there is here between these two statements in the Gemara. So the Rishonim deal with this. And the Rif, the Rambam, and the Rosh, all three of them have this exact same reading in the Gemara. And they say as follows. They say that 100% it's not permissible to tell a non-Jew 
to um, to tell a non-Jew to do an Isur Doraita on Shabbat, even if there's a mitzvah involved. Because the Gemara says, I never told him to heat up the water, implying that I would not be allowed to tell him to heat up the water, even though it was the Tzorich Mitzvah for the purposes of a mitzvah. How do they explain the part in the Gemara where it says that um, uh, there's no difference between a Shavut which has a Maaseh to a Shavut which has no Maaseh? So the Rosh explains, and he says, El hachika marle, if you have a look here where my mouse is, that which we say uh, you can't do it, Rabbanan. Hali mili b'milta did b'melacha. Only when you're telling him to do the oraita. Aval milta delet b'melacha. If it's not the oraita, lo amrin an amiral nochri shavut umilei debriran inun velet b'uteota. It's clear. V'haideka amar shavut delet b'maaseh v'lo kamar shavut delet b'melacha. Maaseh u'melacha b'hai yena hada miltahi means the same thing. Says the Rosh, and this is the same opinion of the Rambam and the Rosh, uh, the Rambam and the Rif. That when the Gemara says, is there no difference between a Shavuot did be Maaseh to Shavuot which has no Maaseh, the meaning is Maaseh means a Melacha. It means an Isur Do'oraita. That's the difference. Um, we're not talking about the difference between sprinkling and between our story. It's within our story itself. There is a distinction whether I tell the Goy to do a Shavuot. I tell the Goy, which is a Shavuot, I tell him to do a, something which is a Maaseh, which is an Isur Do'oraita, like heating water. That would not be permitted even for a milah. When I tell the guy to do something which hasn't got a melacha from the Torah, i.e., only a drabanan. He never said to heat up the water. I just told him to carry, which was only a drabanan. So it comes out, according to this reading of the Gemara, I'll answer your question in a moment, Hannah. It comes out, according to this reading of the Gemara, that it's only permissible to do a dirabbanan for a mitzvah. It's only permissible to tell a goy, excuse me, for a mitzvah to do something on Shabbat, only if you're telling him to do a dirabbanan. I'm not allowed, according to the Rambam, the Rif and the Rosh, I'm not allowed to tell a goy to do a doraita, even if it's for the purposes of a mitzvah. In our story with the Brit Milah, with the boy, here he was telling the goy to do a dirabbanan. And the Rabbam writes this very clearly, number three on the source sheet. Something which is only forbidden from the Hachamim. It's permissible to instruct the Goy. says three possibilities when you're allowed to tell a Goy to do a Rabbanan. If there's an illness involved or the matter is extremely pressing, or there's a mitzvah involved. Ketzad, for example, you're, you're permitted to instruct a goy to ascend a tree, or to swim, which are all Isurei de Rabbanan, to bring the shofar, or a knife for the bitwila, etc. So, what comes out according to this first reading in the Gemara is that 
This is the principle which we've heard of, of shvut d'shvut, b'makom mitzvah. A double derabbanan is permissible when there is a mitzvah involved. What's a double derabbanan? As I said, telling a non-Jew is forbidden only by the hachamim to do something on your behalf. And, but you have to tell the non-Jew to do something which is only forbidden by yourself to do midderabbanan. So to tell the non-Jew to heat up water, even though it's for Brit Milah, is not allowed according to Nabam Deif and the Rosh. Because it's an, you're telling, it's only one shvut. You're telling the guy to do any surdo right up. So there's one shavut, there's one derabanan in that you are telling the guy, but you're telling him to do doraita. That's not permissible when there's a mitzvah. However, when you have two derabanans, you you're telling the guy to do something which is forbidden by the hachamim only, for example, swimming in the sea or climbing a tree, these things are forbidden by the hachamim, then I'm allowed to tell the guy to do it in order to do a mitzvah. And this is known as shvut dishvut b'makom mitzvah. This is the source for the principle of two derabanans where there is a mitzvah, or the Rambam extends it also to where there's a holy involved, even a small illness, or where something is extremely pressing. I'm allowed to tell a goy to do a derabanan if something is tzorich harbe, a great uh, importance, or there's a mitzvah, or there's an illness involved. However, other ishonim, the Baal Halachot Gedolot, and the Itur, the Baal Ha'itur, the Ran quotes him, the Baal Ha'itur was from the 12th century, from France. Uh, he, because of this tension in the Gemara here, they actually take out this last sentence. They say they found books which don't have the last sentence, the Hamar, Lamar, Ligo. And therefore for them, the distinction is whether the Israel is doing the action or the guy is doing the action. With sprinkling, it's the Jewish person doing the action. Therefore, it's a sore even for mitzvah. To tell a guy to do something because you're not doing it, you're instructing the guy, even though it's forbidden mid that is permissible even to tell him to do something forbidden from the Torah if there's a mitzvah involved. So that's what the run writes here. He says, If the Jew is doing his Rabbanan, that's not permissible. Even if a Jew, if you instruct the non-Jew to do something by the Torah, Karinan Shvut Delet Bemaase, this is considered a Dirabanam which has a gone action. Kevan de Lo Avid Isemasekra, since the Jew hasn't done anything, or the Fize Logar Sinan, the Hamal Amal Izirahim. Right? We don't have that part in the text because, according to this opinion, it's permissible even to do a Doraita, to tell the non Jew to do a Doraita for the purposes of a mitzvah. So there's a major distinction here between, on the one hand, the Rambam, the Rif, and the Rosh, and on the other hand, the Baal Halachot Gedolot, the Geonim, and the Itur. In that, according to the first opinion, on Shabbat, when there's a mit- any mitzvah or something pressing involved, according to the first opinion, you're only allowed to tell a Jew to do a Dirabanan. According to the second opinion, you're allowed to tell a Jew even to do a Deoraita. There's a third opinion of Tosfot. I didn't quote it on the source sheet, but the, the Makor is there, the source is there. Tosfot holds that you're only allowed to tell a goy to do a derabanan when there is a huge mitzvah such as brit milah involved. Brit milah, we know, is an important mitzvah. And just in case 
you're just in case I didn't explain this at the beginning, just in case you're thinking Brit Milah overrides Shabbat. Yeah, it does override Shabbat, the actual action itself. But the preparation for the Milah, that doesn't override Shabbat. So carrying the knife, you should have prepared that from before Shabbat. That we are Posek, that that doesn't override Shabbat. So here it's the preparation for the Brit Milah. So Tosfot holds that only something as big as the mitzvah of Milah, then we say you're allowed to tell a go to do a Dirabbanan. But generally speaking, you, tell, you can't, can't tell a go to do a Dirabbanan for another mitzvah. Let's say to bring the shofar or to bring the rulav, that kind of stuff. That you can't tell a go to do. Only for something as special as Brit Milah, the Hachamim allowed you to tell a go to do a Dirabbanan. So we have three opinions. The most lenient is the Ba'ar Halachot Gedot and the Itur, who say that you're allowed to do, tell a non-Jew to do a Doraita for Mitzvah. The most extreme on the other side is Tosfot, who says you can't tell a guy even to do the Rabbanan, even for a Mitzvah, only for Brit Milah, preparation Brit Milah was allowed. And you have in the middle the Rambam, the Rif and the Rosh, that you're allowed to tell a guy to do a Rabbanan for any Mitzvah. Three opinions. Everyone with me so far, okay? So I'll answer your question in a moment, Ami. Yeah, I'll answer that. So, um, what's the halakha? Says the Shuhan very surprisingly, extremely surprisingly. So how would you expect the Maran to be posek? Rambam, Rif, and Rosh, right? You've got three, you've got the three Amudeh Hora'ah, the three pillars all holding the same. This is great. This is what the Shuhan always follows, no? Look, let's have a look what he says. Something only forbidden by the Hachamim. You're allowed to tell a guy to do the Rabbanan. Very similar to the Rambam. So he quotes that, and then he writes, V'yesh Osrin. And some do not allow this. Who's the V'yesh Osrin? Which opinion is that of the three opinions? Tosfot's opinion, thank you, Ali. Tosfot's opinion, who says that even a shvut de shvut, even to ask a goy to do the Rabbanan is not allowed for a mitzvah, only for Brit Milah it was allowed. So this is quite surprising because you have three, the, the three pillars, Rif Rambam Rosh saying the same thing, and that's how Maran is posek as his main opinion, but nonetheless, he still brings the opinion of Tosfot and he says some won't allow a shvut de shvut makom mitzvah. However, later on in Orachayim, in Arachot of Shofar, in Siman Tafkuf Peivav, there Maran is posek that you're allowed to get a Shofar um, uh, on Yom Tov, even though it's a Shvut Dishvut, and he doesn't bring the opinion of Tosfot, which is why the Poskim writes that, you know, Maran was just bringing this Yesh Osrin as Kavod for Tosfot, but he doesn't really hold of that opinion. The main opinion is, as he writes here, Bistam, by, you know, as the main opinion, and also how he later writes in, in uh, Tafkuf Peivav, in Halachot of Rosh Hashanah, where he allows you to tell a goy to do Drabanan, to do any mitzvah, such as getting a shofar on Yom Tov, uh, on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, and that's the principle which we're all familiar with and we've heard, that you're allowed to tell a goy to do Drabanan on Shabbat. Now, is that clear so far? That's the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch. Which would mean that even when you have a big mitzvah involved, you can't tell a goy to do a door writer. You can only tell a goy to do the rabbanan. I'll stop here for questions briefly. Yona, what's your question, Yona? 
Um, yeah. I think actually it was uh, oh okay. Okay, great. Um, Avi, what's Sorikharbe? So this Moran identifies in another place as Tarud Venehbaz Aleha, which means it's something which you are going to be extremely bothered about. You won't be able to relax on Shabbat because of it. Tarud Venehbaz, you are hasty and bothersome because of this issue on your head. Even there's no mitzvah. But the actual fact that your tarud v'nehpaz, it's going to drive you mad, that in itself is considered uh, a reason to allow a drabanan, a double drabanan, to tell a goy to do drabanan. Sorry, Which excuse would... me. Um, yeah? I beg, I beg for, may, I ask, may I ask my question? Go ahead. Thank you. Sorry, there, were, there was a little chatter before. Um, I, was, I was wondering if um, Mila is the only... Mitzvah, which Tosfot considered to be Gedola, or if um, there are others no. which might possibly... According to Tosfot, only, uh, only Mila. Because we find with Mila that the actual Mila is Doche Shabbat. Therefore, we can say the preparations for Mila will Doche, will uh, override the Rabbanan, the Rabbanan. But nothing uh, else. Thank you so much. Um, Avi, that's your question. Okay, Hannah, your question is a good question, but it's beyond the scope of tonight. Um, yeah. It's a whole other discussion. And we have uh, part two of the series. We'll, we'll do uh, Amir al Okay, now, that is with regards to, to the Shulchan Aruch, which would mean, by the way, which would mean if we stop here, you come to synagogue on Shabbat morning. Uh, for whatever reason, the boiler wasn't switched on. It's a freezing cold winter's day. No, actually, let's not say it's a freezing cold winter's day. Let's say it's a cold winter's day because the freezing cold would be last. A cold winter's day. And there's a few hundred people attending synagogue. And you have a non-Jewish caretaker on site. According to what we've learned so far, can I tell the guy to switch on the boiler? Yes or no? Avi, yes or no? No, you can't. Because you're telling the guy to do an Isurdo writer, and that would not be allowed. Similarly, if you had lights in the synagogue, which were the orita lights, incandescent lights, or yeah, which some old synagogues still have, um, that would be prohibited. The lights were off. It wouldn't be prohibited to ask the God to switch on the lights. Comes along the Rema. And the Rema says, okay, Maran writes the same in Shin Ahmed Aleph. We don't see that inside. Says the Rema. This is the Ran quoting the Itur. Some say he quotes the Itur. Some say that you're allowed to ask a Goy to do a Doraita for the purposes of a mitzvah. With this opinion, many are lenient. To ask the guy to switch on the light for the purposes of the, of the Friday night dinner. Especially if there's a wedding going on, a party for a wedding. No one objects. The Ramah brings down this opinion, the Itur, the most lenient opinion, who allows you to do to tell a guy to do a door writer. Uh, but he says, you know, whilst many do this, I personally don't think you should do this unless there's a big tzorech, there's a big need involved. What would you classify a big need? 
What would be a big need? So Mishnah Bura writes, Umikol makom mutar lomar legoi letaken et ha'eruf sh'itzkalkel b'shabat, k'day sh'lo yavau rabim l'gdei mechshol. Uchday hu ba'al ha'itur l'smoch alav l'atil shvud ha'amira, afin mechad raita b'makom mitzvah d'rabim. Says the Mishnah Berurah, even if the Ramah is telling us that we don't want to rely on the itur, we don't want to rely on the most unique opinion to allow, to ask a goy to do a doraita, when there's a big tzorech, when there's a big need involved, then we'll allow it. And if you have the eruv of the town has fallen down in the middle of Shabbat, people have been told before Shabbat the eruv is up, people are carrying. And now the eruv has come down, and to fix the eruv on Shabbat is prohibited for a Jew. It would be permissible to tell the goy to do it, which would be tikkun mana, would be doraita, to fix the eruv on Shabbat, even though you're telling him to do a doraita, because this is something which is a great need, because otherwise people, Jewish people are going to be walking around the town on Shabbat with their eruv down. So something like this, which is so big and critical, I would be allowed to instruct the Jew, the non-Jew, to do even a melachah doraita, and here everyone would agree. So the Ramah is saying that Many, many do allow you to tell a goy to do a doraita. I myself, says the Ramah, I'm not so happy about this. You should only rely on it when there's a big need, says Mishnah Brah, such as when there's a mitzvah derabim involved. When there's a public mitzvah involved, then you can rely on the most lenient opinion of the itur and instruct a goy to do a doraita. And this is why, in many circles, the non-Jewish caretakers will be in, will be explicitly instructed to do doraitot on Shabbat, to tell them to switch on the lights, to switch on the heating, switch on the air conditioning, all kinds of things in the synagogue. Even though you're instructing him explicitly to do a doraita, and according to the Rambam, the Rif and the Rosh and Shohan Aruch, you can't tell him to do a doraita, you can't tell him to do Rabbana, but because there's a mitzvah, there are beam involved, there's a public mitzvah involved, it's for the community, it's for the synagogue, then we allow him to do so. However, the obvious question we should be thinking to ourselves is, is that this is only the Ramah. Shohan Aruch clearly, in three places, only allows you, at, at best, at best, to ask a guy to do a Drabanan. He never allows you to do a Doraita. And therefore, if you follow the strict words of the Shohan Aruch, you wouldn't be allowed to tell a guy to do a Doraita to switch on, even if there's a Mitzvah Drabim involved. Chaum Vadia comes along and he says, look, even though Kiban Horot Maram, we've accepted the Psakim of Shuhana Ruch, nonetheless, here I concede to the Mishnah Berurah, that when there is a big, uh, when there is a big mitzvah, a public mitzvah involved, then because of the public mitzvah involved, we can rely on the lenient opinion. And that's how Chaum Vadia is posek, and Lema'aseh, that is what actually happens in the vast majority of places today is that goyim in public places are in explicitly instructed to do things on Shabbat, despite the fact that you're telling them to do Doraitot, but because it's in the context of a synagogue, in the context of a community, a community dinner, a community function, something like that, um, goyim are told to switch on lights, switch off lights, heat things up, and all these kinds of things, relying on the opinion of the itur, Bemakom mitzvah derabim when there is a public mitzvah involved. But we should know it's not definitely not the simple. Shmuel doesn't hold of that. The Rambam definitely doesn't hold of that. And those who follow the Rambam will not be allowed to tell a goy to do something forbidden from the Torah, even if there's a huge mitzvah involved. 
even a, you know, preparation for Brit Milah, even the synagogue lights are off, according to the Rambam, it would not be permissible to tell the guy, switch the lights on. Imagine that. Yom Kippur night, Kal Nidre, packed synagogue, the lights go off. All right, technical fault, the lights go off. You have non-Jewish caretakers on site. You go and ask the Rambam, he will tell you, sorry, mate, you're going to have to uh, pray off by heart or go home. There's nothing to do. Um, but uh, thank God we have diversity of opinions and we have the Itur to rely on. And when there's a, as I said, when there's a communal need involved, then we will rely on this opinion and we will allow to instruct the go to do it, the writer. Any questions on that? Is that clear? Okay. Is a Shinoi irrelevant for this? A Shinoi will be one Rabbanan. That's a good point. That's a very good point, actually. So that's a really good point. And yeah, that which we say that you're allowed to do a Shvut de Shvut, a double de Rabbanan, it's not just a telego to do the Rabbanan. Let me, this, is, this is really important. This is actually the next point in the shiur. So let's, let's go through this. We've established that you're allowed to do a shvut, de shvut, a double drabanan for a mitzvah. That's the halakha. And therefore, straight out, you, let's, let me give you some examples. You're at home, by yourself at home. Um, you're having a Friday night dinner. The candles have gone out. The lights have gone out. So there's no mitzvah dirabim involved, but there's a mitzvah. You want to enjoy Surah Shabbat. Maybe you have some guests. Some guests. It's not very you know, nice. The lights go off and it's all awkward. So according to the Rambam, the Johanna Rof, if I have LED lights at home, which are dirabbanan, I can go outside, call the guy. I don't have to hint. I don't have to uh, uh, you know, do all these kinds of tricks. I can just go to the guy. Excuse me, my friend. Can you please come into my house and switch the lights on? That would be permissible because that is a dirabbanan. Instructing the guy to, to do a drabbanan of switching on the uh, LED lights for a mitzvah where I have guests and I don't want uh, to be an awkward atmosphere with the guests with the lights off and finishing the meal with them. So that's one example. Yeah, there's many such examples. However, you don't have to have one of the drabbanans to be through a goy. It's even permissible for Israel to do two drabbanans. What does that mean, two drabbanans? That means Israel does a melacha which is twice removed from the Torah. So, for example, to carry something through a Carmelit, Beshinui. So, there's no go involved. I want to carry my Sidur. Okay? I like my Sidur. There's no Eruv in the town. I want to carry my Sidur. And in order to get to the synagogue, I have to go through a Carmelit. I have to go through a park or something like that. Okay, let's not get into the question of today's roads. Are they the right or not? Yeah. Let's take a simple Carmelite, which is definitely Dirabbana. And I want to carry my Sidur, which is a mitzvah. To, you know, I have more Kavana using the Sidur. Um, I have a special Sidur of a certain Hacham or a certain Rishon I want to use or something like that. So I would be allowed to carry that Sidur, Beshinui, in an unusual way, through a Carmelite for the mitzvah. Because this is twice removed from the Torah, in the sense that a, a, it's a Carmelite, it's a Dirabbanan, it's not a, a domain which is forbidden from the Torah. B, I'm doing it in a way which is a Shinui, which is unusual, and that in itself is forbidden by the by the Hacham. And so, because it's two Dirabbanans, even though it's me doing the two Dirabbanans, Litzorich Mitzvah for the purposes of a Mitzvah would be allowed. That's important to remember. This is another rule where you can be lenient. It's not just 
telling a goy to do Dirabbanan, you yourself can do a Dirabbanan in an unusual way, which would make it two Dirabbanans when there's a mitzvah involved or there's a holy involved. Let's say I, uh, I have someone who's slightly ill at home. Someone's got a, a strong headache and they want paracetamol. I can go to my friend's home. There's no Eruv in the town. I can go to my friend's home, which is uh, through a Carmelite, and um, uh, go through a Carmelite and uh, and carry and carry the the tablets in a in an unusual manner. Okay, carry it in an unusual manner. That would be permissible. That would be allowed. Okay. So that that answers your question, Avi. But let me say something important, and this will bring us back full circle to our first shiur. Let me ask you a question. You know the famous, we've talked about this, the famous Gemara, that you're not allowed to pull the, pull the bench across the grass on Shabbat? If it's definitely going to make holes? Yeah? You can't pull the, pull the bench? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to make holes. It's psikoreshe, inevitably, by pulling the bench, you're making holes in the ground. And that's a problem of horesh, of plowing. Think about it. This act of plowing, it's bishinui. It's unusual. It's mekalkel. It's destructive. I have no intention. You can get two, three derabanans quite easily. And we've never ever heard anyone say that you're allowed to pull the bench on the grass when it's inevitably going to cause holes when there's a mitzvah involved. Why not? What's the distinction? Who can think? What's the distinction between the case I just gave you, taking a sidur through the Carmelite Beshinui, to pulling the uh, a bench through the through the through the garden, which you're plowing, which is shinui, which is mekalkel, the tzorich mitzvah? Anyone got any suggestions? You don't have to pull the bench. You can. No, let's say you have to. It's too heavy. Always round it. No, 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 no. It's too heavy to carry. I'm sorry. It's too heavy to carry. Okay. The answer, yes. The... When you're carrying the sidur, you're making a conscious shinui. You're mentally uncoupling yourself from the mental act no, of carrying. No, putting the bench is a shinui. You're making holes in the grass. It's that's not that you're, you're doing. You're doing an act of plowing. That's an unusual way to plow. You don't plow by putting benches. You plow with a. Ah, uh, but you, but you perceive yourself to be doing something usual. Yeah, but also here you. So this nice attempt, but yeah, no, not this time. It's uh, the idea is different. The idea here is the, the melechet ma. The plowing is the oraita. But it's twice removed oraita. It's it's mekalkel, and it's shinui, and it's enomechaven as well. It's it's why is that not a shvut de shvut? Miguel, you understand, you understand what I'm asking? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Okay, so the answer is, this is important you thought as well, that Melechet Mahshevet, the Rabbanans, are all considered as one. Do you remember in our first shiur, in our second shiur, we went through the Melechet Mahshevet, the things which make something forbidden, the Melechah from the Torah, we said, number one, has to be constructive. It can't be destructive. Number two, has to be done in a normal way. It can't be done in an unusual way. All of those peturim are all considered one big petur of Melechet Mahshevet. 
So those two don't add up as one. Even three, those won't add up as one. When can Israel do two Durabanans? That's when he's doing one Durabanan from Melechet Mahshevet category and another Durabanan in the Melacha itself. So, for example, carrying in a Carmelite is a Durabanan because of the Melacha of Hotzaaf, carrying. Carrying in a Shinui is a Durabanan because of Melechet Mahshevet, because it's not being done in the correct way. Whether it's metake, whether it's, it's destructive, or whether it's unusual, it's all the same idea. You're not doing it in the correct form the Torah prohibited. It's all one kind of darabanan. Those two don't add up together. So you can't add up two melechet mahshevet peturim. Everyone with me? I, I, I presume everyone remembers the first and second shul when we went through the different melechet mahshevet, you know, the peturim. That's all one category. And therefore those are considered one darabanan, and those you can't add up together. But do a shinui, another melacha. Let's say, let's say, um, 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 to kill to kill a mosquito in an unusual way. So a mosquito is something which the melacha of tzeda says that mosquito is only forbidden midrabanan because there's a principle in trapping that. That, that there's a principle in uh, in trapping that you're only uh, chayab if you trap something which is normally trapped, like uh, uh, like a, like um, some a deer, something like that. But to trap something which is not normally trapped, that's not considered trapping. So that in itself, the mosquito, you're already starting with a dirabanan and bemino nitzod. It's not normally trapped. Then I go and do it with another shinui. So that's two dirabanans. And that would be mutar letzorich mitzvah. So I could trap the mosquito in an unusual way. You would have to work out what's an unusual way. Fine. But you would have to trap the mosquito in an unusual way if there's a mitzvah involved. There's lots of people around and it's bothering people or it's stopping me from learning, whatever it may be. Uh, right? Uh, that is considered two drabanans and those add up to make shvut de shvut makom mitzvah. But just to, tra- uh, to, 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 um, to do two drabanans, which are four under Melechet Mahshevet, that doesn't constitute as a double drabanan at Tzorech Mitzvah. That's a really, really important point. And if you, if, if you bear that in mind, lots of contradictions will be answered. Right? Very often when you learn in Chochabad, you see these con- kinds of contradictions. Um, but with this principle, it answers a lot of these contradictions. That two drabanans are allowed, a Jew allowed to do a drabanan, two drabanans when it's a combination of two different kinds of drabanans. A Jew can't do two drabanans when they're all part of the tour of Melechet Mahshev. Okay, another point principle we need to know in terms of when you can do drabanans. This is a Mishnah which we say every Friday night, but we need to understand it. You're allowed to do any drabanan benashmashot at twilight, which is for a mitzvah. Which means benashmashot is the period between sunset and nightfall. So because that's a doubt whether that's Shabbat or not, of course we accept Shabbat. Let's say Shabbat came in last week at six o'clock. 
So till 6.45 was Ben Ashmashot, because we don't know whether that's part of Friday or part of Saturday. So that period of time, Ben Ashmashot, we were allowed to do a Dirabbanan, a full-on Dirabbanan, which means that you're allowed to tell a Goy, definitely to tell a Goy, to do even a Doraita, because that would still be a Dirabbanan, and you yourself are allowed to do an Isur Dirabbanan if there's a mitzvah involved. So, for example, putting doing an Eruv uh, uh, is, is, is forbidden. It's midrabbanan. It's a kind of tikkun. It's a kind of fixing. Um, so you're not allowed to do that on Shabbat. But if you didn't have a chance to do it before Shabbat, and it's just Shabbat has begun, but it's still Ben Ashashot, it's the beginning of Shabbat, the first half an hour of Shabbat, in places like England at least, then you can do it yourself. And isur derabbanan letzorich mitzvah when there is a mitzvah involved. Let's read that inside. ספק חשיכה, והיא בין השם השעות, אין מעשרים תבדאי, ואין מדמין את הכלים, ואין מדמין את הנרות, you can't do these things because these are דאורייתא, ואין מבין אולי תחמין, אבל מעשרים תדמאי, תנו דחמין, מבין ערבוי חצרות, ומותר לומר לעקום בין השמשות להדליק נר לצורך שבת, וכן לומר לעשות כל מלאכה שהיא צורך מצווה שהוא טרוד ונחפז עליה, this is what you asked before אבי, טרוד ונחפז עליה, anything which you are bothered about, or is a מצווה, you are allowed to ask or you yourself can do a Dirabbanan. Now, we should be aware that this which we allow a Yisrael to do a Dirabbanan, Ben Hashem Ashot, is only when he hasn't publicly accepted Shabbat. I'm not, we don't have time to go into the details and the sources for it all, but it's all here in the sources here on the source sheet if you want to see it more. Um, we only allow you to do it if there hasn't been, if you have publicly in shul accepted Shabbat, then you can no longer do the Rabbanan at Tzorech Mitzvah. You can still tell a guy to do a Doraita, but you yourself can't. But if, but if you accepted Shabbat alone at home, or you haven't even accepted Shabbat, Shabbat has come upon you, and it's still within the beginning of Shabbat, you are allowed to do the Rabbanan yourself for any Mitzvah or anything which is going to bother you. That's really important to be aware of. Now, the question is, does this apply to Ben Hashem Ashot of Motzei Shabbat? So Ben Hashem Ashot works both ways, right? So we've got Ben Hashem Ashot, Ashot, Ben Hashem end of Shabbat. So from sunset on Shabbat till nightfall on Saturday night, that's also a doubtful period, is that Shabbat or not? So can I do a Melacha, can I do a Drabbanan, excuse me, for a Mitzvah? What would you say? What are your thoughts? Can I do the end of Shabbat? Can I do a Dirabbanan at Tzorich Mitzvah? You're in the opposite Chazakah. What do you mean by that, Yona? Well, you're, uh, you're already in Shabbat mode. You've accepted Shabbat. You're operating as if it's Shabbat. So to Beautiful. remove... Fantastic. You exactly, you mechaven to the words of Magen Avraham. Magen Avraham comes along, Magen Avraham Gombina from 400 years ago. He comes along and he says, it's his own Hidush. He comes and he says, look, that which the Shohan Aruch and the Rambam Rai that you're allowed to do, and the Mishnah actually, it's from the, that you're allowed to do Ben Hashem Ashot, you're allowed to do certain things at Tzorich Mitzvah, that's only when you're going from Friday into Saturday because you haven't got Hezkat Shabbat. <laughs> you're not in Shabbat mode yet. So you can continue the Friday mode and do a Dirabbanan at Tzorich Mitzvah. But when you're already in Shabbat, 
when you're already in Shabbat and you're going out of Shabbat, and even though Ben Hashemashot is a doubtful period, I think, says Magen Avraham, that here you can't do the Rabbanan and Tzorech Mitzvah. You'd have to go back to the original principles which we've learned earlier on in the Shur tonight, Shvud de Shvud, and all of that, you know, two Rabbanans, etc. But for you to do the Rabbanan, or for you to tell a go to do the right, it wouldn't be allowed on Motzei Shabbat Ben Hashemashot. However, you look at the Rambam inside, Rambam clearly doesn't hold like that. Rambam stresses only be it yom, only during the day. Both Ben Hashemashots, clearly the Rambam holds, are not part of it. He doesn't hold of this farah. Neither does the Shohan Aruch, because the Shohan Aruch, he repeats this halakha at the end of Ilkhot Shabbat, which is in all simplicity, he's talking about Motzei um, uh, Shabbat. So here, right at the end of Ilkhot Shabbat, he writes, Anything written by the Hachamim is not uh, prohibited Ben Hashemashot. You can go, uh, you yourself, you the Jew can go up the tree, which is normally forbidden on Shabbat, you go up the tree to bring the rule of the shofar. If you're really bothered about Okay. And here he's talking about Motzei Shabbat. And therefore, Havadia and our Ahronim Aposek very clearly that for us it's mutar to tell, to do, either to tell a guy to do Doraita or for you yourself as a Jew to do the Rabbanan, both on Friday evening and on Saturday evening, the beginning and the end of Shabbat, when Shabbat's coming in, Shabbat is going out, you are allowed to do a Melachad Rabbanan, a Shavud Rabbanan, when there is a mitzvah or there's something extremely uh, bothersome. So theoretically, again, I'm not giving halakhala ma'aseh here in this specific scenario, but if you were to uh, um, if you were to be in a situation where you're extremely stressed, um, uh, you're extremely stressed about something, let's say there's a huge sum of money which you realize you've left on the streets, okay? A huge sum of money which you've left on the streets. And there's no goyim involved. There's no goyim around that you can tell them. And, you know, it's going to cause you the whole Shabbat to be worrying about this money. You won't be able to sleep at night. You're going to have to you know, be watching this, this envelope which you've left on the pavement under your car or something by mistake. Um, and that's really bothering you. And your tarud v'nehbaz aleha, it's dohak, you're bothered and you're stressed by it, which is going to be, you're in a place with an eruv. So there's only the Rabbanan to pick up the muktzah and bring it into your home. You could argue that Ben Hashem Ashot, if it's still right at the beginning of Shabbat, you would be allowed to take that in. Because that's tarud, even though there's no mitzvah involved, but that's tarud v'nehbaz aleha. You are extremely stressed about it, and therefore it would be permissible. Um, these kinds of examples. Similarly, by the way, this is a good example. Motzei Yom Kippur. So shofar, we're only allowed to blow on Rosh Hashanah. Um, uh, you're only allowed to uh, uh, blow uh, shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, you're not allowed to blow on Yom Kippur. Now we know at the end of Yom Kippur, we blow shofar. But that is not part of Yom Kippur service in the sense that it doesn't override, you're not allowed to do that in Yom Kippur. You're not allowed to blow any instrument on, on Shabbat or Yom Tov, including Yom Kippur. The only time you're allowed to do Rosh Hashanah. So Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to blow a musical instrument, including a shofar. So most synagogues and many rabbis will say you have to wait till Motzei Yom Kippur to blow the shofar. So let's say this year Motzei Yom Kippur is 8 o'clock. So I have to wait 8 o'clock to blow the shofar and then to say the Pesukim and then to pray Arvit and then I finish 8.15, 8.20. According to what we've learned, would we be allowed to blow the shofar from 
Of course we could. Because it's an Isud Rabbanah not to blow a musical instrument. And there's a mitzvah involved of blowing the shofar on Motzei Yom Kippur. So, basic principle, I, a Jew, am allowed to do a derabanan, ben ashmashot, letzorech mitzvah, even on the outside way. Not just coming into Yom Kippur. Even coming out of Yom Kippur. And this is what many Sfaradi synagogues did. That's what we did in our synagogue on, on, on Yom Kippur. We did blow the shofar 10 minutes for the end. And that's absolutely fine, even though you know how to blow shofar Yom Kippur. But because you are blowing, which is a mitzvah, and it's a derabbanan, and it's ben Hashemashot, it's mutar, tzorech mitzvah. That's another principle we should be aware of. We hold that both ways, both in and out of Shabbat, you can tell a go to do doraita, and you can even do a derabbanan yourself, letzorech mitzvah, or you are extremely stressed about it. By the way, just so you should know, briefly in parentheses, Tosefet Shabbat has the same status. What's Tosefet Shabbat? Tosefet Shabbat is the time you add on from before Shabbat. So in the summer, for example, Shabbat comes in at 9, nine o'clock um, and we accept Shabbat at 7.30. So everything which we've learned about Ben Hashem Hashot would apply also the earlier period. But in this earlier period, you're even allowed to tell a Jew to do a Doraita who hasn't accepted Shabbat. So say you have a Jew in one community where he's accepted Shabbat and he comes home and he realizes that he comes home and he realizes that the hot plate's off. It's going to be cold food. And switching the hot plate on on Shabbat would be an Isodor right? Uh, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Most likely be Isodor right? Um, I can go to my next door neighbor, the Hasid down the street. The Hasidim normally like to accept Shabbat very late. He's going to Shura 9.30 to pray Mincha. Um, so I can go down the streets and ask him, please come in, uh, switch the hot plate on, and that's fine, because uh, I'm telling him to do something when it's not even uh, Shabbat for everyone. So that's another thing you should be aware of. When, it's, when, it, when you have brought on Shabbat extra than the calendar time, then you're, then you're allowed to tell Israel even, who hasn't brought on Shabbat extra to the calendar time, to do anything for you, even if it's directly for you. Okay, there's a lot more to say. I'm going to say very briefly some, just throw out some principles without the source of anything. Another principle you should be aware of is that Kavodat Sibur, we are doche, uh, we allow when there's an Isud Rabbanan. Even though we've, tonight we've talked at great length about Shvud Dishvot, two Rabbanans, we've talked about Rabbanan Ben Hashmashot. On Shabbat itself, when there is big Kavoda Beriot, when there's big human dignity involved, then we allow you to do an Isud Rabbanan. So, for example, a rabbi comes to synagogue. Uh, this isn't a, a personal example. I'm telling you a theoretical example. A rabbi comes to a large community and he's there to officiate and to, and to uh, uh, address the community if there's a, a, a few hundred people there. And he comes in and he realizes, he looks at his suit and he says, there's a huge stain on the suit. Right? There's a huge, huge stain, which is clearly recognizable to everyone. Uh, anyone he speaks to, when he gets up to stand in front of everyone, everyone's going to see this huge suit, or, uh, huge stain on his shirt or on his jacket. So to go and tell a guy to take water and to wash it out is an isurdo writer, uh, meaning the guy is doing isurdo writer, because washing with water is an isurdo writer. That's clear. So a normal circumstance, it would be forbidden for me to tell the guy to use water to wash the stain off, because that's one shvut. 
Menacha Doraita. And I'm telling the go to, it wouldn't be allowed. But Kavoda Beriot, we allow it. So for Kavoda Beriot, we will allow the caretaker, the non Jew, to uh, clean the stain from the rabbi's suit in order that he's able to present himself with dignity in front of the community, even though he's telling him to do right. Nonetheless, we allow. We find this in the of various when it comes to cleaning oneself, uh, when he needs to clean, when one person needs to clean oneself, um, and they have muktzeh things. You're allowed to use muktzeh things to clean yourself, even though it's a sudra banan, because kavoda beriot, we were, we allowed you to do these things because of human dignity. So that's an important principle. When there's big human dignity involved, we allow you to do so. Um, also, when there's tsar gado, when there's great pain involved, we also allow wander banan. Uh, again, there's much more to talk about, um, but I think those are the main things. I need to leave a 928. So I'm just going to run through the questions and see what we can answer. Rob Sher, is the Mishnah Bura suggesting that you can ask an Andrew to do the right on Ibn Diyabad? Obviously, don't put yourself in such a situation. Don't rely on the Itu. But in a situation where you need to rely on the Itu, then you can rely on the Itu. It's a heter. If you need to rely on it, you rely on it. For the position of Magen Avraham, does it make a difference if you pay Arvit early on Motei Shabbat? No, it makes no difference at all. Shabbat is not affected whether you pay, pray Arvit early or not. In fact, in Shohan Aruch, it says clearly, you can pray Arvit and do Havdalah from Plaga Minha when you, when you need to do so. So let's say you, Plaga Minha, two hours for the end of Shabbat. Let's say you are traveling, um, uh, you're traveling straight after Shabbat. And you want to go and wait by the bus stop. To take the first bus straight after Shabbat. You're allowed to walk to the bus stop on Shabbat. You're allowed to. It's not considered a marit ayin. It's not considered preparation because the act of walking is allowed in its own right. It's not considered preparing. Even though in your mind you're going to, you're going to the bus stop. But since the act of walking is an act of walking, it's fine. Um, and uh, and so you want so yeah, you're not going to have a chance to have Dalai later on. You're going on a journey for the rest of the night. You're allowed to have Dalai before and pray Arvit even before Motzei Shabbat. So uh, Shabbat is unaffected whether you pray Arvit or not. What Habura? What the principle? What principle again? I'm invoking. Why is Hazaka Shabbat more relevant? Why does it matter? The precedent? Of course, there is. That's uh, the, the idea of Hazaka. There's always an idea that to change the status quo is always harder than to begin the status quo. When you're changing something, Hazaka always means there's a presumption. There is a. It's already begun. Right? You got Hazaka de Kashut, for example, Hazkat Kashut, and someone has begun. There are various halachot which apply to a human being. You don't apply to a fetus, for example. Once a human being has been born, he's got a heskat kashrut, right? A Jewish human being has been born. And the fetus, you don't have that. So there's a discussion in the Gemara. If a father accuses the child of being a mamzer, uh, is there a difference between if he accuses the child when he's already got a heskat kashrut when he's born to when he's still in the fetus of his mother when he hasn't been born yet? So there's no hazaka. When, when there's a, the, the Magen Abraham's principle he's invoking is a very good one, but it doesn't seem to have been accepted by the Rambam, the Shohan Aruch, uh, to say that because you're already in Shabbat mode, it, con- it continues. Uh, final question, where do we learn that Ibrahim Shoyim was a mitzvah? Uh, well, it's a mitzvah, it was a mitzvah do right in the times of the Yovel. Pasukim Pashat Bahar, Ukratem Vahavartem Shofar Tirab HaChodesh Shavi, mitzvah to blow the Shofar in the month of the Yovel. Um, today we do it as a zecher of that, so it's still a kind of mitzvah to remember the shofar of Yom, of, of Yom Kippur in the times of the Oven. Anyway, I just want to say to everyone, it's been a wonderful journey together, these last, uh, the series, uh, both in the summer uh, and uh, now where we finish the series. Um, 
uh, obviously we've only scratched the surface, right? Seven shiurim to cover the Chod Shabbat is, uh, is literally only the surface. Um, but I hope, I really do hope that I've been able to give you at least the basic tools and kelim to be able to explore the Chod Shabbat more and to be able to understand the basic framework of the Chod Shabbat. And Mezrat Hashem, we have many more opportunities to learn together. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Thank you for joining and thank you, the Habura, for hosting this. Uh, all the best. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Looking forward to see everyone Sunday. And just a reminder there's a, we have the Discord if you want to continue the conversation. It doesn't have to end there. And we can, uh, we can discuss the principles. And we hope to see you on Sunday. Have a lovely week and we'll be in touch. Thank you very much. I hope you organize another series of Yochot Shabbat. The day I kind of was excellent, really. I'd love some more. Definitely needed. You. You're right. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting.